0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Lawson and Mum. We are all here and where are we?
1: We're in Ethiopia and we actually literally might never come home. (laughs) (laughs) Not because we don't want to. But because stuff is going wrong,
0: they're forcing us to stay. So our our, our flight has been delayed by twenty four hours. Um, another Max Eight has had another emergency landing. Um, it seems that world transport is just you know not what it it's used to be. Failing us, yeah. It's failing I us guess terribly. we're just
1: African now. Yeah, well, kind I'm kind of, I'm kind of you're getting
0: calling me to stay here. I'm, I'm getting it's used a to
1: sign loss. <laughs>
0: I'm getting used to uh, You know Not having electricity And you know Just preaching at night time and, and the power cuts out I, oh, I think yeah. that's happened For the last uh, The last week at least Yeah
1: Same Yeah we. This used to be out.
0: something Exciting to talk about On the radio You know We're no, like Oh wow like, The power went out last night No it happens every night and, <laughs>
1: and it's funny Because the people Do not blink There's not even An oh Or an oh Like usually There's like some sort of Audio reaction <laughs> Like right. in Australia But in here Like just deadpan Just keeps going Nothing stops It's like Nothing really happened yeah,
2: nothing to it's see. Who's black here. now? Who cares? I was like halfway through playing a song last night, like for the for the for the audience. I pray a song, I play a song every time I'm preaching. The power cuts out, and so my guitar cuts out, my mic cuts out, and there's like 800 people there. So I'm like, oh well, and then I just start like screaming. I like <laughs> I like, just belting this out as hard as I possibly can, so everyone can hear.
0: And it went well, it was good, you know. So, That's basically, we're, we're becoming white Ethiopians. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, no, it's just very light-skinned black people. <laughs> okay.
1: That's right. We, we ran out yesterday. We we're all on the same brown spectrum. But do you know what? If we get stuck in Africa, I am tote sticking my thumb out and hitchhiking back to Cape Town. See us
3: <laughs>
1: I cannot handle these Ethiopian showers. They fill me with rage, Lyle. They're making me a bad person. <laughs> my shower's okay. <laughs> my shower's not. I'm on the top floor. and There's no water pressure. I'm going to make a video today and stick you got on my Instagram, so you can have a look and see how bad Ethiopian showers
0: are. Well, seriously, Mon, you are welcome to come down to uh, the first floor, and we will give you the room. You are you can have the whole room to yourself. <laughs> we will go and sit in the lobby, and you can enjoy some uh, I'm some up a few hours. Mon, what have you got for us in positively different news? this Actually,
1: morning? before we go there, I just want to say Ethiopia is making me a stronger person because I've really had to face some fears here, <laughs> and not just talking about the pressureless showers. <laughs> So, in this hotel, which I want to say is probably the worst hotel I've ever stayed in my life, but um, (laughs) I've now twice gotten trapped in the elevator
0: <laughs> which is this literally is, my worst feel people don't I, seem to understand I do not understand why does Mon catch the elevator because I'm on the top floor you're on the first floor just, exercise is a
1: good thing not when you have to go up so you go to the gym flights. and you get on a
0: stair machine
1: I'd, I'd, here it's free I do the stairs as my workout every day well when I'm not hugely sick you don't need to work out when you just do the stairs because, but no because that, that would be disgusting because if I, if I took the stairs because remember I have to upload the radio a show and so I'm going up and down the stairs every twenty minutes. If I did that, I would be taking so many showers. So I'd just be a sweaty, disgusting mess.
2: you would be really fit. you would have
1: them. No, I do the. I do the. You <laughs> get abs from doing <between> stairs. <laughs> so anyway, so I take the elevator, and I don't think people realise how much I already don't like elevators. Like every time I step in one, and these elevators are tiny. Yeah, and every like time three I step people in one, no in. matter what country I'm in, like I, I get like a little like. Little scenario flashed through in my mind, and um, and I'm always like, oh the stairs probably would've been better, but it's 33 flights. <laughs> and, you know, my brain does that every single time, and so this time it actually finally happened. It it just completely died it's because the electricity just goes between, out. Yeah, just in between floors, just completely died. All the lights went out. All because you know how there's emergency buttons in, in, in ele- no, and they work. don't work when there's no electricity. Nope. So I'm like I'm like hitting the alarm button. I'm pressing the phone call button. Nothing is happening. Um, and then the second time it just stopped but the electricity stayed on so I was able to hit the alarm button turns out the only person who's deafened by the alarm is me. <laughs> Nobody else in the hotel can hear it. I don't know. Is the, the elevator? Alarm too is inside, far?
0: inside the elevator? It's
1: inside the elevator, you get deafened. It's ear splitting, but no one comes to your assistance, and it only rings for as long as you hold the button. So as soon as you take your finger off, it stops. And then I tried to press the phone call button. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So both times, thankfully, I had my phone on me, and I was able to call um, Varney, and uh, and she alerted the people at the front desk, and then they summoned or something and it was just terrifying and I cracked a sweat and I was shaking like a stress sweat Like it was just a smelly stress sweat yeah it was ter- terrifying I just want to say
0: yeah yeah absolutely well there you go but I do have More some African good news alright good news good news bring us some good news what have you got for us everyone?
1: okay so this is really exciting I'm actually super 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 happy about this uh, so we all know um, GoFundMe and Kickstarter right
2: <laughs> yeah oh mate oh mate I know all about GoFundMe and Kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A uh, uh, pay for Lawson's wife fund out there somewhere. Uh, I'm actually like, I'm not, I'm not keen anymore, Lyle. Uh, we're disappointed. She's just the one that got away. We're disappointed. And
1: what happened there? Before uh, I continue, she, let's hear what happened. She stopped coming to room. his
2: meetings. I'm just. She doesn't like she his preaching. She wasn't there.
0: She doesn't like my preaching. She doesn't like my singing. And I'm just. I'm just like... No, this, is, this is the mind games that are going yeah. on inside his head. Just because she's had exams for the last two days or something or other and hasn't been there and he's like, no, mm, no, I've been rejected. But that's the thing. I, I, is, okay, we've all, all, all got to feel sorry for Lawson this morning. Major pity party for Lawson this morning.
2: I don't want a pity party. I just, I just want a wife who's now not from Ethiopia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so fickle. So fickle. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm all terrible. Right, Mon, tell us about your uh, positively different news.
1: Okay, so there's um, GoFundMe, Kickstarter, right? They're all uh, campaigns to raise money, basically. So GoFundMe is like for personal stuff, like, you know, I've got cancer. Please pay for my treatment. Uh, and Kickstarter is creative stuff, like I've invented something. Please help me get it off the ground kind of thing. There's a new one called PFG, Projects for Good. And it's oh. so cool. And uh, it's, it's so much more philanthropical. But it's not just about raising money. It's just about it's also about raising manpower. Power, which mm-hmm. is amazing So the guy who invented it I'm blanking on his name And unfortunately I'd love to read it to you But my the internet's just stopped working yep, at this It hotel. just died uh, so My pages <laughs> aren't loading anymore So this I'm going to try and tell you from memory <laughs> So this guy, uh, he's in America He's actually um, he's actually the captain uh, of a ship uh, the one one of those mercy ships, and he noticed uh, you know what mercy, mercy ships are right they're basically mm-hmm. like floating hospitals yep. and he noticed that often there's really great ideas for humanitarian work um, or for environmental causes uh, that just lack uh, people power, and uh, and like sometimes, sometimes it's the opposite where like they have the funding but they don't have the personnel. And so he, he created this app, Projects for Good P- (PFG), and uh, you can go on there. And if you're into something in particular, you can actually find projects uh, in your area or not in your area that you want to go work for. Because he said a lot of people who are in, who are concerned about these things don't necessarily have a lot of money to give to them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they do have is skill or just a passion or just two sets of hands. Or a set of hands. And so they, they're like, Do you know what, I can help you. Um, uh, you know, I can donate my time. I can donate my energy. Um, I can turn up, but I don't really have any money. And so he's he's created a way to, to harness all that into one spot. So, for example, you can jump on there and there's like even... There's projects as simple as... Um, the local beach is filthy. Who wants to come on the weekend and do a massive trash litter pickup. That's cool. Yeah. As That's seriously as cool. That. I love as that. Simple as that. And then they can be as technically advanced as this one scientist. He's in, he's developed a way to turn air into concrete. Um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Air into um, concrete. Um, no, what? seriously. I actually read has it, but now has I can't he, remember. Has it, and,
1: and, uh, and he's like, I need, um, funding to, to get the project off the ground. And so that one is, you know, uh, Fund, uh, sorry, not fund, he needs scientists to help um, with the rest of it. And so he's looking for scientists to help with the project. And so it can be. Is as simple as picking up tracks, and as complicated as like is scientific advances, and um, I think it's just—I think it's just great. I think you should all download this app and jump on board. I'm so super keen because yeah. I
0: rarely have money because I've got regular, um, r- regular things that I give money to, mm-hmm. and so because I've got you know I've got my regular charities and their charities that I've researched and I trusted and so forth that I've never given to a GoFundMe. I've never done it.
1: Yeah, same. Um, but
0: I would so you know if somebody in my local area was like, hey, let's go and do. This I'd be like, yeah, I can spare a few hours on a Sunday. Exactly, for
1: sure. exactly, and yeah. that's what this is all about. And do you know? And he he said he's witnessed in the past the power of just harnessing people instead of focusing on harnessing money. And um, because he was involved with the, the, I think it was called Heal the Planet or something in the 1980s, where they had a big win over in California. And uh, and he was uh, just a high school kid, and he was involved with that. And so he was he's been inspired since then, and he's now in his late 30s. And uh, and here he is using. Technology to, to do it all again. I think it's just great.
0: Yeah, fantastic, great story there. And uh, Lawson, tell us, tell us about your life at the moment. Your uh, love life is over apparently. You've uh, been dumped. And uh, but what's what's happening? Uh, what's happening for you here in Ethiopia? Oh look, I'm just,
2: I, I'm, I, I am okay. I'm loving my time over here. You know, I had a great You're time to yesterday, feel the dude. I am smashed. <laughs> I'm so tired. I came home from preaching last night. Well, I was up preaching last night, and I'm like, I'm just feeling. It. I'm like, man, I'm just going to get to the end of this sermon, and 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 it ended, and it was like, it was really powerful. People were really, you know, inspired, and then they come up to me. The, the elders because they you know sit up on the stage with you and they're like alright now we call to repentance we call to baptism and I'm like oh okay so I play a song for them I play a song every time I preach afterwards so I'll get up and play my guitar and play a song and then I'm just like alright look I've been praying for you guys and I believe that there's one person here who wants to be baptized and no one came forward and I'm standing there and I'm like no I like, I literally said, I was like, I'm not getting off this stage until one person comes forward. I've been praying for this area. I've been praying for this church. I've been praying for these meetings. And there is at least one person who wants to be baptized no one's coming forward. I'm like, nah, I'm like not getting down. There is, there has got to be one person. Today's the day of salvation. Come on. And then like, a person came forward and I was like, amen brother. And another person said, I came forward. I was like, you. And then another person came forward. So three people came forward. Amen. And I'm Praise like, God. Now there's still more people. I want to do something different. Everyone close their eyes. And if you're too embarrassed to come up, I just want you to raise your hand. And so, like, everyone close their eyes, raise their hands. And when they raise their hand, I'll just grab them and pull them up anyway. So, so yeah. <laughs> um Six people last night made the decision to get baptized, and I was just stoked. Ah, praise God. God is good. We'll be
0: back right after this song. Welcome back, everybody. You listen to Faith FM and coming to you all the way from Ethiopia mm-hmm. with all kinds of fascinating stories and experiences. The adventures just never cease to stop coming to us uh, here in this country. It seems that Lawson is getting to Australia, getting back to Australia about 24 hours later than uh, what he was initially planning. Um, which, uh, yeah, 55 hours, 60 yeah. 50 hours to get here. I have woken
1: up this morning and I think that everyone's, the flight that everyone's on has been cancelled and they all being shoved on a different flight. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see who gets home first now.
2: And of course, like, these guys have a real tra- travel agent, but I'm I've got a robot. And yeah. so I've got a I've got a robot website, and they're just like, you know what, you can jump on a plane twenty four hours later. That's
1: exactly what you want.
3: Like,
2: <laughs> more time to win those women over. This is this is this is how Lawson ended up in London on his way. More to More time Ethiopia. to contemplate my failure in the love department.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was just thinking, um, Lyle, well, I've got a question, right? So when Lawson was just saying before the song break there that uh, you know he he did a different kind of appeal where he was calling people forward, but then he He said, close your eyes and put your hand up um, because you might have been too embarrassed to come forward. So when a person, right, because I've been thinking about this doing my appeals, when a person is sitting in the audience and they feel the Holy Spirit moving on their heart, right, but they're too shy to come down the front or put up their hand or respond in any sort of verbal or physical way, but they say to God, I want to respond to this, can you please come into my heart or could you know whatever the response is, um, you know, forgive me or I want to be baptized. Is it is it is it different because they haven't stood up and walked down the front or is it like have they missed yeah, out? It,
0: it is very it is very different. And this is one of the reasons why we make altar calls. Is that when a person actually acts on a decision that they have made it becomes a much more powerful decision and it locks it in yeah. and it's something that they will follow through on. And this is one of the reasons why you very, very rarely find people who give their lives to God by watching videos. Mm. Because what will happen is that they'll be deeply convicted by the message and they'll watch everybody else, you know, uh, respond to the altar call and go down the front. But because that call is not to them personally, um, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, this is truth. And then they'll just move on with their life. It's when a person actually makes a physical response to Mm. a decision that 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 decision actually sticks. And I think... It's just the way the human mind works. Well... Also as well, you know,
2: where i 'm calling them to baptism, and at that point you know when they come up the front they 're signed up to the bas- baptismal class, and then they 're you know put in that class to, to to learn about you know the faith until they get baptized it 's like this is the start of a journey if they, If they make that decision in their heart that they want to be baptized but don 't tell anyone then they 'll never get baptized. Because yeah, that's right. Because it's oh, people absolutely. that baptize,
1: baptize yeah, yeah. them. But what if it's like an appeal that's not about baptism? What if it's an appeal oh. that's about, like,
0: you know. It's exactly the same principle, regardless of what the appeal um, mm. is, is is about. But that's why,
2: like, every night before I make the appeal for baptism, I make an appeal to, hey, if you believe this, if you believe this to be true, I, my, my meetings have really been revolved around the second coming. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you, you know, I'll share something different about the second coming. I'll be like, if you want to be ready for this second coming, just raise your hand hand and that's sort of the first you know maybe there are Adventists or non-Adventists or or whatever you know there's people in the crowd they just want to be ready for this and that's where they're at in their journey and ask them to raise their hand Then I say you know then I'll get up and play my little song and sing a little for them, and then then I'll make that full appeal of like, hey, look, maybe there are some people here who just want to fully commit to Christ.
0: Anyway,
1: anyways, yeah, yes,
2: I I've, I've I've have stories here
0: that I've, I've, Sorry, I'm busting to I was just
1: wondering about that, but yeah, yeah. thank you, thank you
0: for clarifying. All right, so um, here's what's happening around the world: Pope Francis is in all kinds of hot water. Oh, and I am glad. Is it? Is it because everyone knows he's the oh what? No. No. <laughs> No, this is not the issue. Is he he's in, bar, in huh? hot water, and I am glad because he's doing the right thing. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, what is he yeah, doing? absolutely. Okay, so he's been uh, greeting uh, worshipers, as he often does. You know, that's what most preachers do. Um, You have a worship service. You greet the people, you know, before and after the program. That's something that I do. And he has actually started stopping people from kissing his ring on his hand.
1: Amen. That's revolting. Sorry, coming from a germaphobe, but that's just class 50 disgusting. I don't know, guys. Guys, guys, guys. So, for the
2: last couple of nights, every time I finish preaching, there is just a slew of, like... Girls who are under about eight years old who rush me and grab my hand and start kissing it and I can't do anything about oh, it. Oh yeah,
1: but that's, for us, I mean, at my site, it's all just part of the uh, uh, affection bubble. So like, the get hugs, you get kisses on your neck, kisses on your Yeah, cheeks, okay, but yeah, you've got to
0: understand where this comes from because yeah, kissing the ring is totally different. Kissing the, ring, kissing the ring goes back to, you know, a tradition of worship. This, this was this, traditionally this was an act of worship. this isn't, this was not an, af, an act of affection this was an act of worship and you know some people have uh, applauded him because it's like okay he's not a Roman emperor he's not a, he's not a Roman god and he's doing the right thing here. And in our culture today, particularly in Western society I think that Pope Francis is sending a very good signal by shaking hands rather than having his ring kissed.
1: Does he, has he stated a reason as to why he doesn't want his ring kissed? No
0: it's just been caught on video pulling his hand back and then shaking people's hands. Wow. Well, so um, it's a bit of a scandal. Well, I'd love to know and what his You know, a lot, of, a lot of Roman Catholics are really upset about it and they're saying, you know, we, this has been a long and well-established tradition. And then, of course, others are saying, you know, our culture has moved on and uh, it's more appropriate to shake hands today. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to I find mean, out is this a, a germaphobe issue or is this simply an issue? And I think I think it's probably an issue you know, because here you've got a pope who has, uh, has refused... To wear the tiara Which is the triple crown And also refused To wear the mighty Just wears that little Skull cap thing Which I actually applaud
1: True but On the same Like Is he what you really want to find out? Is he saying don't kiss the ring because he doesn't want to accumulate people's worship? Or is he doing it for different reasons? Because
0: Yeah, well, we don't know the reason. But either yeah. which way, I think it's a positive That's step. That's a good thing. Yeah, and also... I think it's, it just sends, it just sends a, a good message.
1: I wonder how many people have gotten sick because of kiss the ring after someone with a flu kissed the ring or something like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is one of the things that you find in, uh, you know, some of these older churches where a lot of kissing takes place up in... Uh, Aksum where we were here in Ethiopia we found that every time somebody went into a church they would kiss the doorpost of the church and then they'd touch it with their forehead and then they would kiss it again and, Cute. you know, there's, there's the massive, massive brown stains on either side of the doorposts where they've just been kissed for centuries.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, yeah, you sort of do wonder about, you know, communicable diseases because communicable diseases are a major issue yeah. in developing countries like this. Uh, it, just, it just did not look hygienic to me.
1: You know, you know how often they have like statues and stuff around the world uh, at touristy sites, where people can kiss the feet or kiss the hand or something like that, and it's been rubbed down and worn down.
0: Well, the statue of Jupiter that is now called uh, Saint Peter in uh, Saint Peter's Basilica, um, you know, the, the big toe of that's been kissed off like five times. The thing's made out of bronze.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean, they're all over the planet. I mean, there's one in Cuba and all kinds of places where you know, if you kiss it, it's either good luck or you know, a sign of worship or something. It's usually always related to the Catholic Church. Every time I come across one. of of these things like I'd look around to see if there's too many tourists who would catch me because all I want to do is get my hand sanitizer out and just wash it for a little bit mm. so if I haven't successfully been able to do that because there's always just too many people lining up to have a smooch
0: yeah, yeah. and so I think it's something that um, I, I, I applaud I applaud Pope Francis for doing this. I think it's a positive move and I think wherever we see a positive move, we should uh, we should mention it and encourage it. Ultimately, the message here is if you want to kiss
1: something, wait until you're married. <laughs> Lawson! Go Lawson! I was going to say it'd be great if he could now move on to uh, eradicating confessional boxes and, and, uh, and celibacy. That'd oh, be, absolutely. These would, these
0: would be big steps that would be fantastic, but hey, one step at a time. So, uh, in the Northern Territory, a remote community has... Uh, uh, Um, descended into brawls, massive brawls involving uh, 60 people the first time, more than 100 people the second time, as a result of coming off Cyclone Watch. What? Wait, what? what? I'm so confused. Yes. Okay, so Cyclone Watch came through because of Cyclone Trevor, and of course all the bottle shops closed down. And then when they opened, everybody oh. got on the source, and once they got on the source, it was just a massive, massive alcohol-fueled three days of violence. Oh,
1: that's disgraceful. It's pretty light. So this
0: is, this is, once again, we need, to be, we need to be encouraging dry communities. We need to be encouraging, we just need to, we just need to bring back prohibition. Absolutely. Simple as that. You know, do the areas research areas on social. prohibition. See how successful it was. You know, certainly we had Al Capone, but he just collected all of the headlines. And you had you know politicians who wanted to have uh, you wanted to have their alcohol, and that's why prohibition you know failed. But. It, Wherever you've got alcohol, you have violence, you have problems. It does nothing good for society. It is not a positive thing. It never has been. It never will be. And it doesn't matter where it is, where so it takes true. place, when you get a large group of people that uh, that are going out and, and abusing this dangerous drug, then what you've got is uh, is just you know social upheaval. And that's what we're seeing right here.
1: That's a disgrace on the Australian. Australian it is. Abuse. It is.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. We should hang our heads in shame. Anyway. Moving on, we'll be right back after this song with the interview of the day, followed by the 8 o'clock news, and then we will be back with Encounter with God.
3: Praying the
4: prayer with no reply, words flowed off into the With the sharpest knife. Oh, oh, God won't give us silence isn't comfortable. Won't we'll drive through peace and instant hope. A shallow faith that has left us broke.
0: Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, and joining me in the studio this morning is Julian Archer. Julian, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Lyle. Now, Julian, you have an interesting life, I would say an adventurous life, many different things that you have done, been involved in, you've been involved in business, you've been involved in evangelism, soul winning, um, growing olive trees, I don't even know where to start, but we want to talk to you today
5: about your journey of faith and how God has worked in your life. So where does your journey start? Yeah, look, from a a faith point of view, I think it probably started with my parents. My dad, when he was a kid, uh, was involved in a church, Uh, but it was a very interesting church in that he had to go to church eight times a week. Eight times a week. <laughs> Eight times, that's right. And in a busy week, 11. So that was just for, you know, if, <laughs> if you are feeling extra special that week. And of course, as a kid, uh, he really battled with that. that yeah. That was just driving That would crazy. be a struggle. Yeah, yeah. For most of us, once a week, you know, to sit uh-huh. there quietly as a kid or whatever, you know, that's tough. So by the time he was 14, he had a number of uh, jobs in his family. One of them was to make the beer for the family. So he was the homebrew kid. Okay. He'd been doing that for a number of years. So, so
0: all of this church going hadn't actually uh, involved in um, eradicating alcohol from the, from the
5: no, family? No, no, that was, that was a pretty common thing for them. They, he made the beer and it was for the aunts and the uncles and everybody else but of course as a kid you've got to try a bit here and there and, and so he I guess he got on to the bottle a little bit early, yes. uh, if, if, if that's a... Not a healthy baby. idea, not a healthy idea at all. Uh, and one of the other thing was he hated church, he hated. Hated, hated God, hated church, just didn't want anything to do with any of it. Uh, so at the age of 14, he did what any wild young lad would do, and he went to his uncle's farm and he got a heap of gelignite and fuses, took them home and uh, hid them and headed off to school with the plan to blow up his church that night. So that, <gasps> <isn't> oh, <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, like, like every average yeah, 14-year-old, right? right? As, yeah, yeah, you Just
5: go, blow up the whole church. <laughs> this is probably the opposite of church planting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he went to school. He told his best friend what he was going to do that night. Uh, and if he hadn't been the student with the record for punishment in the school because he was the worst kid there uh, across the three years of grades eight, nine, and ten, he got the cuts or the cane or whatever you want to call it yep. on average every day. Right. Uh, so some days he didn't get it, but other days he got it a number of times. Uh, so uh, his his mate would have normally just gone, yeah, yeah, you're going to blow up your church, yeah, whatever. But his mate knew that if Ray Archer said he was going to blow up his church that night at the age of 14, he was, was going to do it. Yeah. So the friend went off to. Well, the how principal. big of a building was this? I mean, was this a, 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 a you know, big structure? Or Look, I, I don't think it was huge. Country church? Or um, no, it was a city church. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't know the, the actual size of it. Yeah. Um, but he had he tells the story that he had sat there and looked around and gone, okay, if I plant jellignite there, 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 and there and I go in the door and I light the fuse number one, two, three, four or however many there were, a circular around the building and run back out through the front door. I'll be out the front door by the time the first one goes off and the whole thing will drop because I've hit all the, the key construction points. Yeah, because yeah.
0: 14 year old 14 year old kids back in the day actually knew how to do this. <laughs>
5: That's right. Yeah. yeah anyway and so they the the kid told the principal, the principal told the police, the police came and took Dad away and uh, they said son what's th- what's the go? We're here you're going to blow up your church tonight. And he admitted to them. He said, yeah, I am. And so they took him home and they, he gave them the gelignite and the fuses and they asked him why, you know, why are we going to do this? And he explained, well, eight times a week, you know. <laughs> how much can a koala bear, you know? <laughs> and they actually oh, took his my. parents away. And not far, but, but they yeah. took them away and, and showed them the gelignite and just said, hey, your son was going to blow up your church tonight. You need to back off on religion. Yeah. Uh, and I think the parents did. Uh, but dad had had enough and so he left home and, and got involved in um, other issues went to live with his brother uh, older brother who had also left home uh, his older brother went to jail for, for uh, some not, not so much serious crimes but, Okay, so I'm
0: just, sort of, I'm just sort of listening to this story and thinking you know eight times a week at church is not actually doing a whole lot to convert these guys that's right yeah, yeah, and so it's not about it's not about quantity. Then.
5: <laughs> the story here is not quantity. Quantity is not the issue. Exactly, and and you know, talking to Dad today, he hadn't met Christ. It was as yeah. simple as that. Mm-hmm. So he was going through the motions, but hadn't hadn't met Christ. And so he was drinking too much, living on and off the streets, and, and in a unit with his brother. And uh, met my mum. Uh, they had to get married. My sister was born. Uh, Eleven months later, I was born. Um, it, it, but they they started in, into business and it went crazy. They had they were serial entrepreneurs. By the age of 25, they had five businesses um, that they had started from scratch: um, a bodybuilding manufacturing business for making gym equipment, uh, two gyms with a thousand members in each gym, a health food store, and a refrigeration business. Running them a, all. A health food shop. A health food shop. Yeah. Back in the day. That's right. Well, it, this is this, this is, is late like- 60s. Yeah, okay. yeah. So this is they're so tapping into the hippie
0: movement, or what were they? What were they aiming at? What was the market for health food back in the sixties? I'm just trying to think. You know,
5: the health food is really something that has taken off in the last, you know, what ten, twenty years. It is. That's right. And they they're very much pioneer. They're entrepreneurs, so they're sure. pioneering things. Yeah. <laughs> and so in the late sixties, you had the bodybuilding. Uh, Era beginning So you had your Your Arnold Schwarzeneggers And your Lou Ferrignos And those guys over in California Pushing ahead uh, Starting this business And he was Ray Archer in Queensland, looking at doing the same thing. Uh, he went crazy, and the reason for the health food store is simply because they realised that they could make more money selling protein drinks than gym memberships.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Even though they had a thousand okay, members, so it wasn't, in each it wasn't gym. about uh, you know, making society better or anything. <laughs> this was a, lucrative, <laughs> a
5: exactly. lucrative, business. That's right, and so they uh, went from there. And uh, but the problem was that the marriage was absolutely hell. So so they had financial success you know, everything that the world offered they had, but yeah, they just weren't getting on at all because they were both sort of doing you know, 15, 16, 18-hour days, trying to run all these different businesses. Two little kids who babysat a lot of the time and, uh, and they had to make a decision uh, of whether they would go with business or marriage. Uh, and, of course, there's no God in the equation at this stage, so they're just doing their own thing. Uh, and I think I thank God today, looking back on it, that they chose marriage over business. And they sold uh, four of the businesses. They kept the health food store. Okay. And we moved out to the bush. And, uh, yeah, we became hippies. So this was 1974. So we were, we were about a decade too late for the hippie movement. <laughs> Slow learners. <laughs> That's right. As mum and dad say. Oh, by were, the way, when you say you moved out to the bush, this is yeah. all taking place in Queensland, right? That's right, yeah. So Brisbane City is yep. where all these businesses were. <laughs> uh, and the bush, as we called it, uh, was only about 50 miles, 80 kilometres west of Brisbane, uh, at a little tiny place called Grand Chester. so a big name, little little location. <laughs> uh, we lived out there. We had a property, um, 33 acres, between a 1,500-acre cattle property and a 2,000-acre cattle property. So it was a little tiny block in the middle. We had no electricity, no running water. We lived in a shed that was 8 foot by 14 foot. So what's that? That's just under 3 metres by 4 metres, 4 and a half metres, something like that. Right. And that was the whole family, four of us in there. Yep, uh, that's a big change from owning five businesses making money hand over fist. It is, yeah. They, uh, I guess, they just turn their back on on that to a fair degree and just wanted to get away and re-look at life and marriage and, and that sort of thing and uh, so there we were living out there and if you haven't got running water or electricity you haven't got a washing machine so clothes are a bit of an option uh, because you can't wash them uh, we had a dam uh, where we where thankfully we it's Queensland it's warm <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right exactly <laughs> only need them for what two months of the year <laughs> that's it
5: yeah actually when the, when the property was finally sold we we built another shed and then a home and all the rest and when that property was finally sold it was advert- the, oh, sorry the, the property next door was being sold at this particular time uh, and it was advertised as uh, a yeah, 2,000 acre cattle property or whatever overlooking nudist colony <laughs> in the newspaper. Yeah, so uh, exciting days. Yeah, <laughs> adventure. Yeah, and then, but then look, long story short because this is about a faith journey, uh, an engineer from the railways in Ipswich would come into their health food store every day and buy a loaf of bread. And he would ask, you know, my dad, oh, how's the house building going? Because my dad was building a house at the time out of sandstone uh, and logs. And uh, Or he'd ask my mum, you know, how are the kids? And he was building a friendship. And uh, then he asked them one day along, he said, hey, Ray, you're building a house out of stone. We've got some people coming to town who are going to talk about how the Egyptians built the pyramids and so would you like to come along and dad's like yeah cool because he was trying to work out how to attach these big ironbark logs to the top of the stone walls and uh, this is a home that took him seven years to build because he cut a lot of the stone himself out of the ground and you know just real hippie so oh man
0: just awesome though
5: uh, yeah yeah and, and it's still it's still standing today you know and it'll probably still be standing in however time it shall last <laughs> out, outlast
0: the tomb as you reckon <laughs> I'll
5: give it a go <laughs> anyway so we go along to this program we learn nothing about how to build out of the stone <laughs> but it was great great program, met some great people, learned a lot about Egypt and history and and different things like that, and uh, went back to the bush, and Harry kept coming in every day and buying a loaf of bread and asking how the family was and all the rest. We never knew what he did with that loaf of bread because it was only him and his wife at home and you just can't eat that much bread. Uh, every day. Every day, another loaf of healthy bread. Okay. Yep. Yes, and maybe? Yeah, that's right, neighbors, I don't know. And he uh, came in one day and he said to my mum, my would you like to come along to a vegetarian cooking program? And she was like, yeah, mm, yeah. I'll ask Ray. So she goes home and asks Dad, and of course he just laughs because he's this is this is the the bodybuilding pioneer of of Queensland, you know. And so back in the day, protein only came from one source, and that's red meat. Um, yep. And so they for their for their bodybuilding, they used to just eat huge quantities of, of meat, and uh, so no interest in vegetarianism. They had no idea that you can get even better protein from other plant sources. Yeah, because a lot of bodybuilders these days are vegan. Yeah, that's right, it's crazy. In fact I was just reading this morning, The Economist magazine which is a global e- economics magazine uh, in their forecast section, 2019 year of the vegan. <laughs> so
3: yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. So it's really become something uh, around the world. So, Anyway, but back in the day, not so. So Dad just laughs. He says, there's no way I'm going to a vegetarian <laughs> cooking program. And uh, But Mum, she's got a bit of nouse there, she said, you know what we get a lot of customers coming into our health food store and they are vegetarians. And if we knew how to cook vegetarian food, we would be able to sell them more stuff for their recipes.
0: Okay. So your health food shop is not like, I'm just sort of picturing a health food shop that, uh, yeah, these days, which is always going to be, you know, plant based and all that kind of stuff. Your health food shop is selling protein, which is, um, meat based products Then,
5: Yeah. So a a whole range of health, uh, what what (laughs) would you call health food at at the time? That's right. Uh, and so, and but Dad's like, um, we can sell more stuff. She says, I think so and he goes sign me up
0: <laughs> so, always the entrepreneur
5: that's right so we all pile up we pile in the back of the old pickup that we had an old ute you know it was an old Land Rover tray back ute and uh, we drive down to Ipswich this is where all these programs were happening in the town of Ipswich and uh, we walk into this place and it's the exact same people who were at the Egypt program <laughs> we're like what? Why, are we all, why is everybody interested in Egypt and vegetarianism at the same time <laughs> <laughs> because these have something in common yeah yeah, we still haven't worked it out (laughs) but we uh, anyway so but they're all the same friends that we had from the Egypt program so we think oh this is cool and we learn how to cook vegetarian food the program's finished we go back to the bush and then one day Harry says he comes into the shop and he says to my dad would you like to come to church now he has no idea that Dad has been to church enough times. He tried to blow one up—that's <laughs> for him and everyone. He tried to blow it up. He's been going eight times a week for 14 years. You know, he might not be the kind of person you want to invite to church. <laughs> that's right. But of course, and of course, Dad is desperate to not go <laughs> because he's like, no, I hate church. I don't want anything to do with it. But because Harry's his friend, he's like, oh, I've got to. I've got a uh, yeah. uh. He goes. I've got the perfect excuse. He says, "Harry, what day do you go to church?" Because he knows that Harry would go to church on Sunday. Sure. And uh, and that's the the day that we religiously never go to town. We never go on Sunday. Uh Ah, the day that we religiously family day. That's right. Yeah. And the the day that we always go to town though is Saturday. And Harry says, "I go to church on Saturday morning. Why?" (laughs) that's it that's dad's last excuse he goes okay Harry okay you win we will come and so the next Saturday morning we all pile in the ute we drive down to town we do all of our shopping at Coles because that's the reason we go to town on a Saturday morning we do all of our shopping we grab all of our groceries we head back up to the church the ute doesn't lock, so we pick up all of our groceries, we pack them in 4X boxes, beer boxes, because that's all we've got, uh, and we walk into church, barefoot, long hair, beards, caftan dresses, smelling different, looking different, Dad probably put a cigarette out at the door, uh, you know, we're very different, and we carry all of our groceries in, we you put here them,
0: people are sitting on pews, singing hymns... Yeah, that's right. ...wearing suits and... <laughs> yeah,
5: <laughs> and, uh, and we push our groceries under the back pew and we sit on them, because we didn't know whether we could trust the people, they might steal groceries you know we had to take them in because our, our ute didn't lock yeah, and we couldn't sure. leave it in the sure. ute uh, and that's it that's the introduction to faith and okay. long story short they loved us they just loved us yep. it was as simple as that they, <laughs> they, they didn't say anything about our all of our weird and wonderful ways we might have been their favorite hippies on the planet we don't know but they just loved us and harry was there our friend and they they loved us to christ and they showed us the love of christ that's
0: fantastic. And how
5: old were you at this particular point? Uh, on that first Sabbath, I was probably about uh, five or six years old. Uh-huh. And then there was a journey from there over a number of years, yeah. uh, getting to know the people, getting to know the church. Yeah. And when did you?
0: When did you actually, for yourself personally, at an individual level, then? Um, yeah. Because one thing to start going to church, another thing for you. Yeah. To give yeah. your life to Christ. How did that? How
5: did that happen? Yeah. Look, I, I was uh, I was baptized when. I was twelve, um, and you know, I think at that age, I I accepted as as much as I could at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that I was converted at eighteen. That's where it really sort of hit home and 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 really got you know became a harp thing uh, but I walked away from that uh, uh, still attending church but walked away from my first love for many years in business um, that's probably probably food for another interview yeah right? yeah that's <laughs> another story right there <laughs> yeah, yeah. in fact I'd like to uh, grab that story at some stage but um, yeah so, so that was it and then reconverted sure. um, later in life uh, after many years in business
0: Julian that's an awesome story thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning and, and sharing you. your uh, journey and we definitely will have you back to hear the rest of that story um, as soon as we can. But right now we need to move on. Right after this song we will have the 8 o'clock news followed by Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM.